right, welcome back everybody to the Hector and Mike experience. Hector, it's good to see you. Um, we start off uh, this uh, episode with sending out our condolences to uh, uh, great American Colin Powell's family. Um, General Powell passed away recently, I believe at the age of 84, for complications of COVID. Um, you know, they, I know there's been some, some mixed reaction um, which I find somewhat incredible that there was would even be a mixed reaction about about his death and, and his contribution to our country. Um, but you know him and and um, and others uh, in, the, in that first Gulf War was pretty amazing because uh, I remember it well, having had some friends over there. Um, it was pretty amazing because it came on you know the heels of of what happened in Vietnam and, and a lot of questions about American military and what our policies were. And uh, with him at the helm and, and General Schwarzkopf, it, there was no doubt about the fact that we were in it to win it. And, uh, you know, he was he made great contributions, I think, to this country. And uh, he'll, he'll be sadly missed. He was a good guy. So we extend our condolences to him um, and his family. But let's talk. Let's move to California and talk about some of the uh, nonsense that continues here. Um, you know, maybe uh, one of the things we, we now see is that some of our California school systems are running short of money, which is pretty amazing considering it's only October and the school system started up uh, most recently in August and September. Uh, for the most part, kids were doing remote learning for the last year plus. And the state, you know, has a combined surplus between what the state has generated and, and what the federal government has given of, you know, over $70 billion. Uh, it seems somewhat interesting that there's such a shortfall in, in revenue for some of these local school systems. What do you make of that, Hector? Well, Mike, what, uh, one of the interesting things with, uh, with the school systems is You've got like the San Francisco Unified School District that's $116 million in a deficit. So their shortfall is $116 million. You've got the Hayward uh, Hayward Unified that is looking to close a school, lay off some teachers in order to kind of deal with its shortfall. And we're getting this throughout the state of California. You've got the Los Angeles Unified School District that has also seen declining enrollment, but they're also dealing with shortfalls. And... The interesting thing is that we you know, looked at the budget um, over the last 10 years and how much money we've given to education. So this year we've given them more than $80 billion. Just 10 years ago, we were giving them about $40 billion. And so when you, you, know, when you strike out some of the um, monies that are appropriated for certain things, we basically increased their budget by about $38.5 billion over the last 10 years. And so as we've been increasing this money, We've also seen, and this is this kind of makes it the interesting part, is we've seen de- declining enrollment. So you've got less kids, you've got more money, and now we're dealing with the shortfall, especially over this last year where most of the kids were all in remote learning. And I think it begs, begs the question is, what, what happened to the money? Where did it go? This is all taxpayer money, money that goes into our school systems, but at the same time, our K through 12 educational system you know, as we see reports coming that come out, where our students in math and and reading, you know, rank somewhere in the 40th to 45th percentile when you, out of all 50 states, and so it's not as though our numbers have been increasing dramatically. 
in the in, in our achievement or our achievement gap continues to you know to widen as as compared to other people in the state. But I guess the big question really is what happened to all that money? And I think we all kind of have an idea of where some of that money goes to. But I, I think it's it's that's a whole lot of money just to continue to have these shortfalls. Well, I I mean I I don't. I don't blame, necessarily blame the kids for that, that failure in the math rate because the people that are running their school system took $38.5 million more than what they had and ended up with a, a school system that's still short of money and still short of results. So, you know, maybe it's the new math. I don't know. Is that STEM? I keep hearing about STEM all day. Is that the new STEM? I'm, I'm not sure what the new math is anymore, but it doesn't, it doesn't add up is basically the bottom line. And I think it's worthwhile that someone should, you know, should take some investigative look into where that money is going, because I think people vote for this kind of thing um, with the belief that the money is going to go to help with uh, better tools to teach, with better support for the teachers, um, with resources to better schools that are going to be safer for kids so that they don't have to worry about trying to stay alive and can actually have a learning environment. Uh, and if it's failing, why are we giving more money? And, and taxpayers should ask that question because um, I think people do support their teachers, but they certainly don't support that kind of waste. And I would be frankly stunned if we looked at where that money went and you know found it went into teachers' pockets. I don't think it did. Um, and so that's, you know, I mean, I think that's one of the valid things that happens around here is that, you know, money just disappears and, because we're so big, it's it's these huge quantities of dollars, of taxpayer dollars, and people have a right to know where, where it all went and then make a decision as to whether they think their elected officials are spending that money wisely. What I found ironic was you, you let off with San Francisco. You know, their, their school system is short. I mean, you know, they've got the Speaker of the House. They've got the Vice President of the United States. They got the Governor of California. In their school system short of money? Come on, to quote the President of the United States. Come on, man. That doesn't make sense. Um, you know, plus which the city itself, as we talked about previously, seems to have enough money to pay people not to kill each other, but they don't have enough money to put money into schools so kids can learn. Um, you know, and by the way, San Francisco is not that far from Silicon Valley, one of the most successful and, and high wealth places in the country, it, none of it makes sense. The money is there. Uh, it's just how it's being spent. And, well, and, we, and we know a lot of this money isn't really going to the classrooms. I mean, you've got teachers that still have to come out of their pocket, mm -hmm. you know, to pay for supplies, teachers that have to come out of their pocket. Um, I mean, just, just, to, just to get wipes or, or to get, you know, um, paper towels that, you know, because I get the request in, you know, said, hey, our classroom could use pencils, our classroom can use paper towels, we can use wipes, we can use a variety of different things. And so, you know, as parents, we we go out there and, you know, we provide whatever we can at the same time. And a lot of these schools and, and the classrooms themselves holding little fundraisers so that they can provide some of these ample supplies with, you know, with 30 plus billion dollars going into school system. And it's not just over a year, I think it's important to realize is that, you know, every year you've got $5 billion more Next year, you've got another $4 billion more. That means it's now gone, you know, it's now gone up six to seven billion dollars, you know. And so it just, an, it's a, it's an incremental uh, growth. And so what we'll do is in the description of, of this podcast, 
and also with the video, we'll put in the links over to the governor's uh, budget page, and in there, I, I, you know, we'll put the page number, and so you could, so that people could see the graph of actually what um, the increases in K through 12 spending over the last 12 Good. years. That's and, we, that's the kind of stuff that people need. I think. I mean, if I think you know, you can give people the information, tell them where to find it, and uh, you know, then they can make a decision as to whether or not these legislators and elected officials that they keep putting in office in the state are doing justice, not just to the taxpayer, but to the kids in the schools and the teachers that teach there. I mean, being a teacher these days has got to be one of the toughest jobs around. You know, you never know one day from the next whether you should wear a mask or not. You never know one day from the next whether you should get one vaccine or another vaccine or, or what have you. You never, you know, you go in, like you said, you have to turn to the parents as well as their own pocketbook sometimes for the resources that they need. And you get all this money being spent, um, you know, and so I don't envy people who are teachers these days in any way, shape or form, I admire them. They should be getting support, there's no doubt about it. And the fact that they're not, and the fact that the results show that, you know, things aren't getting better, at some point in time, you know, you gotta break that government cycle, which is, well, we spend more because this is what we spent last year, you know, they never asked the question, did it work? Did the teachers get more resources? Did the kids learn better? Did they have a safer environment? Did they have enough equipment? Did they have the right things they needed? They never asked those questions. They asked the question, how much did they get last year? How much more can we give them this year? Wrong question, wrong question. Well, and it, it, uh, it highlights uh, some of the problems happening within our obviously state government of not being able to ask those questions, but um, I think it's a good segue into um, into looking at, I think, a, another another major kind of back and forth that has been happening in California. And you mentioned, you know, Silicon Valley. You've got, um, you know, this past year, you had a state assemblywoman from San Diego, Lorena Gonzalez, who ended up tweeting out, F you, Elon Musk. The next day, Elon Musk responds and says, message received. And so what we saw in um, in the beginning of uh, beginning of this month is Elon Musk, you know, suggested that because of that tweet and because of the business environment in California, in addition to the lack of, you know, affordable housing in California, he's picking up his headquarters for Tesla and moving it to Austin, Texas, you know, moving out of Palo Alto, moving it out to um, Austin, Texas. And I guess the message was received and uh, he's now taking action on it. But now to be outdone, you got the assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez said has just responded and and has said you know we we California we made Elon Musk you know and in doing so maybe you know companies like Tesla need to go out and pay more taxes. I don't think that's gonna you know that's the right message that's gonna spur a lot of these more you know these dreamers and innovators um, like Elon and make you know make them want to stay in California especially if they're gonna get taxed already. I mean we already have. You know, the worst business climate, some of the highest taxes, energy rates, some of the highest housing costs and the highest poverty rates and the highest homeless rates in the nation. And yet, you know, this is a message coming out. I think Lorraine is auditioning to be the next director of economic development for the state of Nevada, Arizona, Idaho and every other 47 other states, because that's the kind of attitude that drives people away. High profile person. I mean, first of all, you're an elected official. You don't tweet F you to anybody. I mean, let's just start there. You're an elected official. You you actually tweet F you to someone? 
anybody, Elon Musk or Joe Musk, doesn't matter. That's not what you do. You're elected by the people. Have, have a little more dignity and respect for the people that you're serving. So, you know, I mean, that's where you start. And then you go to someone, you know, and you look at what they pay in taxes, what they pay in payroll and everything else. Plus, you know, everybody knows that that, that company like Tesla, Tesla and, and Musk are more on the, the center left part of the political spectrum, not the center right, not the right, but the left. And you just drove them away. And so all of the kind of social justice and, and contributions that they make to, this, to, to the state or to society for things that probably Lorena Gonzalez talks a lot about, but maybe doesn't do much about, um, all of that's now gone. Welcome to Austin, Texas. Um, you know, it's, it's, Austin is, is probably the liberal bastion of the state of Texas. And, and so now they have a, 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 you know, a huge resource now. Um, you don't, that's not the way you attract business. That's not the way you treat business. That's not the way you treat your constituents. Um, and, but it does show the mentality that we have in government, um, in this state especially, I think, that says, you know, we're going to tell you, the innovators, the creators, the people that employ people, the people that sign the front of the check, not the back of the check, um, how to do your business and, you know, how much more you need to pay us. To do what? We don't know. To perform what? We don't know. To, to deliver on what results? We don't know. Um, that's pure arrogance is what that is. And, and uh, I would hope that, you know, even though they're of the same party, that someone in the governor's office would have a conversation and say to the assemblyman, uh, that's not helpful. You know, that kind of attitude or, or kind of behavior is not helpful because it's, it just doesn't lose, not just, I mean, you know, you lose something like Tesla, that's a huge loss. Um, but it also is a statement to any other company that would even think about coming to California that, you know, it's like the old wild, wild west now. Uh, before you get into town, you're gonna gonna get robbed on the stagecoach on your way into town by the California government. That's what she's basically saying, um, and that's the kind of stuff that you know. California, they keeps talking about the fifth largest economy in the world. I guess the world ain't what it used to be, but California. The reason it is is not because of the tax structure or the school structure. Or as you mentioned, um, you know, the cost of housing, the cost of living, the cost of energy. It's, it's so big because of the number of people that live here that have spending power. And the more you have a remote economy like we've moved to and are moving to, the easier it's going to be for some company to be based and manufacture or produce whatever it is that they're selling and ship it into California. Um, to provide those those people with that you know their products and their goods, so it's talk about you know biting your nose to spite your face, as my mom used to say. That's that's you can't do it any better than she just did. Well, I think, and I think you bring an interesting point, you know, especially with what we've been able to witness for businesses during this time of COVID. Is you can do a lot jobs remotely. You know, there obviously there's certain industries that would make it a lot easier, and you're able to go to a place like Austin, Texas, which is, you know, for all intents and purposes, pretty, pretty liberal. And so oh, you really? can get, and you, and you get your, 
you know, that type of lifestyle, that type of people mm -hmm. around you that, that you're that you're accustomed to. And you end up, you know, obviously the housing is a lot more affordable there than it is in Silicon Valley, but you know, you're 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 trading one place for another where the political environment within that town is pretty much the same. Exactly. That's exactly right. It's not like you're having to give up any of your your liberal beliefs, your liberal social beliefs or economic beliefs. You know, the Austin, Texas is a very, you know, it is the liberal bastion of Texas. Um, it is known for its liberalism uh, and from, from a government standpoint. So, you know, what happens? You have them with a welcome mat to a business that's going to, you know, create electric vehicles, which they all support. Um, you know, even in a state that's a high energy state like Texas, they're going to get all of that benefit. They're going to get the kind of lifestyle and the kind of social belief that they, you know, that they have in Silicon Valley. And they're going to be treated with respect. <laughs> Gee, you know, I mean, wh what is it that these people here in California in the legislature miss when they when they treat businesses like that? Um, you know, and, and Elon Musk is obviously a high profile one. You know, usually you shouldn't piss off somebody that has the ability to put a rocket ship into space. That's just, you know, I don't know that's a business principle or what, but that's just a good first rule of thumb. If they can put a rocket in space, you ought to treat them nice. That's all. With, with some respect. Um, but, you know, they move to Texas. They get everything that they had here at lower cost, lower production cost, same quality, better quality of life for the people that work for the company. Um, lower cost for production for the company, no doubt about that. Uh, and still the same lifestyle that you had where, where you were here. You know, you don't have the Pacific Ocean out your window, um, but, you know, you can always go find it if you want. Yeah, and, but you've got the same coffee. I mean, you've got coffee houses, you've got the nice restaurants, you've got the music scene, you've got right. a lot of other things that, that provide that quality of life. And, and you know, it, you're right. It's not just Tesla. You've got Hewlett Packard. That it's actually moved its company. Charles Schwab is is also moved out to Texas, and there's a lot of other companies throughout this last two years that have made that decision to move out of California. And this idea that you know California, look, we've got a lot of great things. We've got a lot of great weather, people, diversity of food, and a variety of other things. But it's amazing, you know, talking to friends and talking to um, other folks about just how they're planning when they retire to just get you know. Oh, moved to okay. move to move to Idaho, moved to Utah, moved to Texas, Arizona, and a bunch of other places. And I've never seen that enthusiasm of wanting to move out of California as I have over the last you know few years. Oh, there, I think it's it's not just enthusiasm. I think it's just a reality that you can always come back and visit. And the reality is. You know, even though gas prices are going through the roof around the country, through the roof in California, you know, the average price of gas right now in Los Angeles is about 450. They're talking today about it going up to 470. Um, you know, and in other places, the average price of gas is going up. They're paying three, three and a quarter, 350. Um, home heating oil, you know, I mean, all of that kind of stuff, energy costs. Energy costs for businesses is going up. Um, you know, so people, I think, are understanding the fact that um, while there is some natural beauty here, uh, you can always come and visit and that, you know, you don't have to pay the exorbitant taxes and you don't have to deal with, you know, people like Lorena Gonzalez that are going to tell people, go, you know, F you, that are job creators, investors, 
people that put money in the economy. I mean, how much do you think the Tesla in the in the local economy put in for things like culture, nonprofits, and stuff like that? I mean, an, an enormous amount, more than you know, more than she can ever imagine. And she just basically said f you to all of that. Um, you know, so what do they do? It's so bad. What they do is they decide to go to a state with Ted Cruz instead of instead of instead of uh, instead of the assemblywoman. So that's that tells you a lot right there. When you choose Ted Cruz over the assemblywoman, uh, you know, that's probably a good sign that maybe she went a little bit too far. I don't know anybody that really wants to choose Ted Cruz. <laughs> well, the uh, the uh, I mean, it, it, to kind of keep with, within the same theme, a uh, little bit different subject is. It looks like uh, Joe Biden, who you quoted a little bit earlier, has decided he's going to open up the ports in Los Angeles and Long Beach and run them on a 24-hour cycle now. Right. You know, well, some, and, something we talked about. Well, and but what he, but here's the funny part. I was listening to him, and and this is something people need to be aware of. And we'll talk more about this on another show. But you know, we we often talk because we're in the public affairs business about how businesses and some businesses in particular that are high profile need to be ready to to deal with um, bad press and, and blame that gets put on them. Uh, and I was listening to Joe Biden and and he put the blame uh, on the oil companies for not producing enough oil. And and I was just listening to him like, dude, are you are you serious? I mean, the first thing you did is cut off the Keystone pipeline and kill tens of thousands of jobs immediately cut off America's uh, independence on creation of, of uh, energy. Um, you've passed all of these regulations and you're working on passing a whole bunch more uh, legislation that will restrict their abilities to produce. And now you're blaming the oil companies for not producing enough oil. Um, plus which, I was listening on the news this morning and they had someone from the government on and they said, you know, the average gas in L.A. is 450. It's going to go up maybe as high as 470 plus on the average. And the reason is it's our fault because we, it's our fault, our fault, because we've come out of the pandemic and now we're getting out of our houses and we want to go do stuff. And, and so we're consuming more um, gasoline. So it's our fault that the price of gas is going up. And, you know, what we're seeing is government blaming people for problems that government creates. So Joe comes along on the 13th of October and you know says he's gonna tell the ports to open 24-7. He talks about how they have failed um, to adequately prepare for the sudden increase in shipping that was coming. So it's not only um, you know the consumer's fault for wanting this stuff, it's also the port's fault for not being ready. It's the manufacturer's fault for not getting it into the pipeline quicker and more um, and, and just faster than, than what it needed to be. And somehow it's all everybody's fault. And, you know, it's just you look at it and you say, I think that's one of the reasons his numbers are cratering the way they are is because people are, are kind of losing their patience uh, on both sides of the aisle. I mean, you know, you... You don't get numbers as low as he has just because Republicans um, don't like him or, 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 you know, are upset with his with his job performance. You get numbers like he has because it's across the board. It's it's a considerable amount of independents and even some Democrats that are not happy with what's going on. 
So, well, and, and is this going to end up, you know, um, you've got, we've got, a, you know, it's kind of crazy to say this, but we've got an election coming up pretty soon where you've got redistricting, the, the, uh, the drawing of the lines, the new districts will come out, at least here in California, in the next month and a half, two months. Um, so we'll see how those how those lines shape up. The same thing with the rest of the country. We're already beginning to see a couple of like local maps that are that have made that have become public. And so as you're getting high gas prices, you know that are skyrocketing not just here in California but across the nation. As you're getting energy rates continue to increase, you know what does this what does this mean? And you know and and the in, inflation continues to rise. What does this mean for Joe Biden? And I think more importantly, what does it mean? Because you know he's not going to run for reelection anytime soon or the presidency is still up in, in about three years, but what does it mean for control of Congress? Um, is this right now sounding the alarm bells over for Nancy Pelosi, uh, Chuck Schumer um, saying, you know, if we don't get tightening up on this, if we don't get bigger, some sort of solution right now, the president could end up losing his majorities that he's got in, in both houses. Well, he's, well, his, his majority in, in the Senate is, is, by you know the uh, the person on the milk carton, Kamala Harris, that nobody has seen lately, um, which you know continues to be an amazing thing, considering the challenges that the president has in Congress with his own party, uh, you know, trying to get them to get together on this three and a half trillion dollar infrastructure bill, and he can't get them together. And you know, to his credit, he keeps trying to bring them together. But you would you would th you would think that your vice president, who was most recently in the United States Senate, would be part of all that, and she's nowhere to be found. That's the one person that gives them the control in the Senate. On the House side, I mean, you know, I'm I'm not getting into prognostication a year a year more than a year out, but you know, I, I would just say this: Republicans would have to screw up a one car funeral to not be able to take control of Congress at this point in time on the House side. Um, you know, with all of the things that have happened both domestically and internationally, uh, they would, you know, they really got to go out of their way to screw this thing up to not, you know, widely take control of Congress. Um, but, you know, you, you never know. On the Senate side, it's a little more challenging because of the, the different seats that are up. But I don't think there's any doubt. But, but the thing about it, too, though, is it's not just conversation. See, the problem is, you, you can have these debates and what have you. The problem is when you go to the store and you, and you go down the aisle and, and you don't see what you're looking for and it's not there or the amount of choices you have are less than what you used to or the price of something. You know, I, I, went, to the, I went to the market last week and, you know, the little cups of, of um, Greek yogurt that I always get, which are a buck, are now are a buck fifty. And I'm like, what the hell happened in the last week that caused this to go up 50 cents? Um, spaghetti sauce, the good. I mean, I get the good kind. All right, so I. Well, well but here's the thing: is maybe maybe the cows are on strike. I don't know. <laughs> they they could be. I mean, they're not getting their 15 dollars an hour. I don't know. I mean, but it's just it makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, spaghetti sauce went up 50 cents. I mean, was there a tomato famine? I don't, you know, I don't understand this stuff. And But when you start looking at things, and I, I saw this great article, and just a couple of them to point out, um, you know, there's different things. It's not just the supply chain. It's labor shortages. So who's having a labor problem? Ben and Jerry's. And so what does that mean? They, they can't get enough people to work. So what it means is they're reducing the type, the different 
um, flavors that they're producing. So, you know, you don't have that kind of choice that you're used to. Other things, prices are going to go up. We talked about energy. Um, there's a great one on carbonated drinks. Car, you know, the production of carbon dioxide has been reduced because of um, uh, regulations that have been put on. So what happens if CO2 production is reduced? Well, that carbonation goes into things like frozen food, dry ice, your drinks, your soft drinks, and all that kind of stuff, carbonated beverages. You know, we've talked in the past about chicken, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's like some one night, some foreign, you know, alien spaceship came and took all the chickens. It's kind of like out of a South Park episode that all the chickens disappeared. Um, you know, here's, here's another one. This could be a real problem. Uh, diapers, households yeah. with small children, you know, diaper prices have increased because of increase in raw materials, shipping delays, container shortages. So, you know, you better not give the kids ice cream. And then this other one I loved, you know, that I, that I found was fish sticks because there's a, you know, U.S. and Canada has a, some kind of dispute and now there's a shortage of fish sticks. So those are the real things that people will see when they go to the market, when they go to the cash register at the market. The, the choices they have are less, the prices they pay are more, and that's the kind of thing that no rhetoric can get yourself out of from a PR standpoint. The reality of what hits you in the face when you go to the gas pump and you're paying four fifty seven or four seventy nine, you know, that reality hits you directly. And all of the words that, you know, they may try and spin to get to put blame on someone else or to get themselves out of it isn't going to do them a whit of good. And and that's why I say what I said a minute ago, which is with all of this happening, I do you know, I can't see how Republicans don't win control of the House in twenty twenty two. Well, all the fundraising is going on right now. Everyone's, you know, looking at looking to get those funds, and you know, we see all the emails um, circling back and forth on, you know, every every little misstep that uh, Biden does. As the Democrats do the same thing, and so um, it'll make for an interesting twenty twenty two election. Yeah, I, I I got the best one of all. Maybe we'll put it up. So I I got one I got one uh, email that says if I contribute now, I can get on a list to buy um, Christmas wrapping paper with Donald Trump on it. It's like <laughs> Trump Christmas wrapping paper. And, and I looked at it and, and showed it to my wife and ended up sleeping outside that night because it, <laughs> she, she, it didn't go over well. But yeah, if, if you've ever signed up just, you know, for any information or, you know, God forbid you gave 20 bucks to some candidate that you liked 15 years ago, you should get a new email address because you're gonna you are either getting swamped or about to get swamped. Well, well uh, I'll see I'll see what your uh, Trump wrapping paper looks like in uh, <laughs> coming in for the holidays. But no, yeah, send me over that e send me over that email. We'll we'll uh, post it up on on yeah, we'll post it up there. So, okay, we'll do. Should make for for interesting uh, comments from folks. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's a uh, it's been an it's, it's been an interesting week. I know we're. We're going to try to do a couple more of these uh, podcasts um, more regularly. Obviously, we've been traveling a little bit. Um, you've been watching your Boston Red Sox as they've uh, gone out there, and just I have no idea what the heck you guys are doing. You guys are just destroying the Astros, which you know how much being a Dodgers fan. Oh heck, yeah. I mean, nope. I mean, you know, when they beating the 
beating the trash can. They're beating them like a trash can right now. So, and they deserve it. Well, and the thing is, it's like, how do you guys end up getting three grand slams in two games? Right. Which is well, just. It's, you know, it's the chowder. It's the, the chowder, chowder in Boston. Well, what I like, wanted. What I wanted to ask you is give us some runs because we keep on falling short right now to Atlanta. <laughs> and they're going to be – Dodgers are going to be fine. I mean, Atlanta won – I was surprised. Atlanta won a couple of games. Um, you know, we, we ought to talk about the embarrassment MLB is going to have if somehow Atlanta makes it to the finals in the World Series. <laughs> and, and in this, you know, woke society where you can't say or do anything that offends anybody in any way, shape, or form – um, you know, they've, they've got people there doing the tomahawk chop and all this other stuff. I was watching that when I was watching the Dodger game, and I'm like, how are they able to do that? I'm confused. But didn't they just end? I mean, look, I, I know California has banned, you know, state travel to, I, I don't know, about 13 or 17 states in California. I don't remember the number off the top of my head. But didn't they just get rid of the All-Star game or some other oh, yeah. game no, in, M- in Atlanta? Yeah, ML- MLB moved the All-Star game this year from Atlanta to Denver. Uh, they did it in protest of a law that was passed in Georgia on voting rights. They said it was discriminatory against minorities. Ironically, one of the things in the, in the law in Atlanta was that um, it, it had a certain amount of days uh, set aside for early voting, and they moved to Colorado, where the law in Colorado actually is even more restrictive than what they pass in Atlanta. So it's actually fewer days allowed for early voting. Um, you know, they said it was because the this law is prejudicial against minorities. You know, and and in these big events like Super Bowls and 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 you know uh, playoff games or All Star games. Small businesses in those communities, that's like a, a huge windfall for them. It's a whole market that they, they don't rely on for their everyday success. Um, and Atlanta, it's about 68% is minority-owned, mostly black, uh, small businesses that lost all of that opportunity that went to Denver that was 9% minority. So, you know, MLB did all of this, and now they're going to, you know, if, if somehow... Atlanta is able to win a couple more games, which I would be surprised if they do. But if they are able to win a couple more games, they're going to be showcasing a a baseball team that has people wearing headdresses and doing the tomahawk chop and all this other stuff. Uh, You know, I'm I don't understand it. I really don't for a society that is, you know, so woke that they allow that to happen. You know, Washington doesn't have a name for their football team, although the way they've been playing, they can be called the stinkers. And and Cleveland, you know, baseball team just had to change its name. There, um, I think they're. I think they're the defenders. The, the defenders, the Cleveland yeah. defenders, right? And the and it's they're defending just, against the Canadians from coming in from the north, <laughs> or maybe the cold air that comes in yeah. from the north. You know, it's, well, they're failing on that. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I just you know, let's just hope the Dodgers win and put an end to that debate. That's that's how we look at it. Well, as a Dodgers fan, you know, I, I yes, I but it's for other reasons. I mean, it's this whole idea of we're doing this for minorities, like this whole voter identification, and it's like, oh no, we can't have voter ID because it's prejudice against minorities. It's like, as a minority, my parents have IDs. My parents immigrated here from Mexico. They didn't speak a lick of of English. Right. Didn't understand the culture, but they figured out how to get an ID. Right. And to say that, you know. 
minorities can't get ID. That's just saying, well, we think minorities are too dumb and too ignorant to go get voter identification. It's like, mm-hmm. no, we're not dumb. We're not ignorant. We can figure it out. We, you know, we, we have for all these years. I mean, you even have, especially like in California, people who are undocumented that have driver's licenses. Right. Because they you know, legalize them in California, but all of a sudden, we don't have, we can't have ID to go show while we vote at the polls. It just, it just, it's bizarre. And the thing I always find interesting is you have a lot of these, I don't know, academic professors who happen to be white, who happen to go out and say, well, let us tell you on your behalf what I think we should be doing because we think you're still too ignorant and too right. dumb to figure it out yourself. But we, the smart ones, who've got a bunch of letters by our name, now, we'll, we'll tell you what, what, what you should be thinking. It's insulting. It is. It's, it's insulting. And, that's, and, and, and it's a political pawn that they use. And it doesn't work. And that's why nationally, I think the latest number I saw is 77% of people nationally support some form of voter ID um, to, be able to, to be able to vote. If you need a voter ID to go get a fishing, if you need an ID to get a fishing license or you know, an ID to buy something, it's not that big of a deal. And But what they do is they they try and use that kind, um, minority, uh, you know, use use them as pawns, basically, um, and say, you know, it's, it's against, it's not against anybody, it's real simple. I mean, people are able to get IDs. Some states are passing laws now where they will provide voter IDs for people uh, free of charge. They're putting it in their budgets, and, and Pennsylvania is one of them that's working on passing a law like that, um, and will provide it. You know, it's what voter ID is. It doesn't make it any more difficult to vote; just makes it harder to cheat. Well, and, he, and, and, I'm, and I'm going to throw you a curveball here. Mexico has voting voting IDs. Do they? They've really? got a they've, they've got a voting card. Yeah, my. Um, uh, one of my uncles uh, had come to visit and so forth, and I saw he, he had this conversation, and he showed me his identification to vote. Wow! So Mexico has a voting ID, but yet here, uh, it just that and that right there becomes the absurdity of it. You know, it's like we don't. It's discriminatory against minorities, but yet the minorities in their home country have voting IDs. Have voting ID. <laughs> there's, there's a lot more things going on that people should be that that government should be worried about rather than this kind of stuff. And again, to me, what it is, it's just a kind of this red herring uh, of, a, of uh, you know, to try, and, to try and create a system that doesn't make it any easier to vote, but makes it easier to cheat. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and that's why I do think you see numbers across the board um, in, you know, anything that you have that's in the high 70s. In some cases, at some points, it was the low 80s um, of popularity. Again, that's not something that's right or left or Republican or Democrat. That's straight across the board, all different uh, philosophies and, and all different genders and all different uh, ethnicities that think it's pretty pretty common sense to, yeah. to, to be able to have that. Well, Mike, let's, uh, let's end our, our show here and uh... Like I said, we're, we'll be uh, doing doing another one pretty pretty soon. Uh, I think this week, and so we'll get this one out as soon as possible. And don't uh, forget, go buy your diapers; they're going to run out. <laughs> that and uh, your Italian sauce over there, Mike. You better stock. You better stock up on that. No, I'm kidding. Well, I already did. <laughs> <laughs> 
in case of some nuclear accident, I've got a whole bunch of spaghetti sauce, so everybody come to my house. <laughs> there you go. And we may just come to your house just for this one. Heck, we just go get some spaghetti. So, uh, but nonetheless, uh, Mike, it's great, uh, great seeing you. Great uh, being being on the show here with you. Thanks. So everybody. until the next time. Thank you, everybody.